another week has passed in the world of Apple, and it feels like Groundhog Day. It's like the same day over and over again. There's just <laughs> no news. And I, I guess know. that's to be expected. It's kind of in that post-Thanksgiving, uh, you know, pre-New like New Year lull where there's not a lot going on. And this is sort of what it is. Well, we do have some stuff we want to talk about today, including a couple of really good questions that we got from you guys that we want to answer in today's episode. And of course, if you guys feel so inclined to give us some feedback or you have a question you'd like us to answer, you can uh, hit us up at the Apple Circle hotline. That number is 949-354-3508. Or you can uh, tweet us on Twitter. You can leave a comment on the YouTube video because we do have a video version of this podcast up on YouTube. So uh, let us know your questions, comments, thoughts, uh, tech support. We are here to help. Um, and uh, we do have some stuff to get into today. So Matt, where do we start in another week of really slow Apple news? <laughs> you know, I, I think we should start with one of these questions because the, the first question we have here, I think is really interesting. And, you know, if you never really think about it before, you've never thought about it. But once you do, you're, it's actually a good question. So it's from... Uh, Big Man Game House at Big Man Game House. So I'm assuming that's the social handle, so go follow them there. Uh, but he says, hi, I've been listening to Apple Circle for a while now. Uh, I have a question. When Apple devices arrive in the online store, sorry, when new Apple devices arrive in the online store, what happens to the old ones? For example, the new iPhone came out, so the iPad, the watch, all that. Uh, what happens to the iPad 8, the iPad mini 5, the iPhone 10R, all that stuff that's clearly was in the store the day before because people could go in and buy it. What happens to that? Um, and then also like why get rid of these products when they can, uh, you know, keep them around for different things. Uh, and he also says he enjoys listening to podcasts. We uh, enjoy that you listen. So thank you so much for that. Good question. Excellent question. Mm. I don't know if there's actually a definitive answer here. Um, obviously they don't, well, I say obviously, but they don't just throw these products in the trash, right? Like the products exist. They're not just like the next day dumping them in the dumpster or anything like that. Um, but mainly what happens is it, it, it goes into the secondary market, right? So you get to these more affordable phones. You see the Amazons, the Best Buys, the Walmarts with all these crazy deals. A lot of the times those are just back stock items of things that they don't sell anymore in the Apple store, but there is still some stock left over. Um, also, another big one is like overseas. There are a lot of markets where um, they have let's say, what, what's the word? Like the economies are not quite as strong, so they can't uh, afford or the money is just too much for these higher end phones. They can then shift those products down and sell them at a cheaper rate in some of those countries. And I know one big story with that so that we know of was with the iPhone 4, long, long after they officially stopped selling that, they still sold the iPhone 4 in India specifically for that market because it's a developing market. They needed that more affordable phone. And I think I'm trying to remember how long they actually sold the iPhone 4 after it was actually done. Do you remember? I don't remember, but it was a while, like you said. Like a it long was... time. Like it seemed like, like, I feel like we were almost at the iPhone 6 even, like where they were still selling brand new iPhone 4s, even though technically they didn't sell iPhone 4s anymore. But yeah, I mean, what what do you think? Am I kind of on the uh, on the right track here? I don't know if we know officially. Do we know officially? I don't think so. I think one of the long-standing... I don't know if this is a rumor because I've got to believe it's true is that because Apple is sort of expert or an expert rather at their craft and they know what they're doing. 
I think that they sort of ramp down production when they know a new product is going to be announced. So they probably aren't cranking out yeah. iPhone 12s when the iPhone 13 was right around the corner. So I'm assuming that they sort of adjust that as needed so they're not left over with the stockpile. That was the big thing with Tim Cook when he joined Apple was he sort of brought over this just-in-time um, yep. logistics where you're not – building up this giant inventory of products that you then have to sell. It's you sort of make them just enough. You make just enough to get an inventory to sell so you're not left with this huge stockpile and a bunch of money sitting with sort of these worthless or mostly worthless assets. So I believe they sort of ramped down production to account for that. And also, um, it's just going to happen. And this is where you sort of start to see uh, companies like Best Buy and other online retailers like do like these like deals and outlets. Like it's good for them because they're able to get people in the door to usually buy other things or like sort of buy some kind of combination and they can sort of give these away for free. I'm assuming that's sort of why uh, carriers have such good deals on a lot of this stuff is because they've got this leftover inventory they need to get rid of anyway. So why not sort of give it away if you can get someone locked into a two-year contract? So Usually it's not a big deal for Apple because they probably don't have a huge uh, leftover stockpile of phones or devices, but it's probably right. a bigger deal for the carriers, and they're usually able to run these promotions to sort of offset the losses of having such a uh, large amount of older, quote-unquote, products in their inventory. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially with that just-in-time mentality. I was looking, I've been doing a lot of research because obviously supply chains are like crazy right now, so I've just been listening to a lot of podcasts and stuff, and I think trying to remember what company it was. It was some auto manufacturer that was talking about this just-in-time mentality. And it's kind of crazy how refined that is. Um, and someone like Tim Cook, who is, you know, that's what he did before he came became CEO, definitely worked as hard as possible to get that just-in-time mentality. Basically meaning, like for this car company, for, for example, they would get a shipment into the factory where they build the cars of, say, like, raw material like the steel or the aluminum for the cars it would get in and only sits on the floor for about 20 minutes before it actually get got used and if that didn't arrive then they wouldn't have those materials but that's how like refined and how detailed they got with that supply chain apple obviously does that too so they know exactly how many they need so that they don't have overstock or understock but then that's kind of where we see those issues where, oh, the supply chain is killing Apple. The AirPods aren't going to be available. The iPhone's going to be shorthand. Like, you know, that we see the negatives of that. But on the other hand, it means when the products are going to be uh, released and revamped, they don't need to make like 20 million, you know, iPhone XRs anymore. That's not a thing that they have to do. So I think that, yeah, that's that's a big point there that they probably don't actually have that much stock on hand. Um yeah, I'm trying to think like what else they could do because well, like I like uh, Apple obviously has some stock that just sits around because that that's just how it is. There's going to be some, and I'm assuming they just like sell it to third party retailers. That, I, that's, that's my biggest guess. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming too. I'm assuming they're just offloading it. Whether like you said, it's overseas. There are other markets. Uh, besides sort of the major ones where these phones or parts could go to that can still make Apple a lot of money. Because this is not the case when you trade in your device through Apple or That's through a third do, party. Yeah. They're reselling it to usually other countries around the world. So 
Um, it's probably not the most ideal situation for Apple to have a bunch of these like 12 sitting around when the 13s are there. Uh, but usually, uh, sometimes, I guess true, worth also mentioning is that Apple does sell older models, at least specific older models. That's true. And yeah. then some of them they just will probably either try to get rid of by selling it to whoever, usually overseas. So that's usually how that works out. So very, yeah. very interesting question. Yeah, the supply chain and like how Apple deals with stock and all that inventory. I mean, you have to remember that they're doing millions upon millions upon millions of devices in every single category man that's just i mean that's when you really kind of got to give props to like tim cook and those kind of people who obviously built the company to where it is now like that's so much to have to be over and dealing with i, I can't even imagine crazy um very good question another good question i guess since we're talking questions here yeah. uh Two interesting ones from another unidentified uh, Apple Circle uh, <laughs> listener. One was about, they wanted to know our thoughts on the Tesla phone. And this is a fascinating subject to cover because I have seen like YouTube videos blow up on this from random oh, yeah. accounts about the Tesla phone. Matt, is the Tesla phone a real thing or is it ever going to be a real thing? Well, as I usually do on this show... I always want to lean on you because I, I, I've heard I've, I'm in the same boat. I've seen these like videos with these crazy renders that are obviously never going to exist. And then they're talking about like the Tesla phone is coming, but I haven't actually heard anything about like real news. <laughs> is there any real news? Like uh, for, I've been trying, like I, there's like been news stories, but is there anything real here? What's so weird is like, you see like these like videos on YouTube and it's like, Oh, it's a super sleek Tesla phone. And like, it's got Starlink connectivity, which is like their satellite uh, network. And right, it's going to yeah. have like solar on the back to charge. And all these things that kind of sound cool, but don't make a lot of sense from <laughs> I know. what yeah. I understand. It's not going to happen. I think what I see over and over again is like all these analysts that quote Elon, where he said that like phones were like smartphones were like older technology. He's working on new stuff. So I don't Which think I there's completely agree with. Yeah. I don't think there's any credible evidence to back up the claim of a Tesla phone actually existing, but I don't know how it like got into the zeitgeist and the algorithm on YouTube because I've seen like multiple videos covering yeah, this. So no, I don't know where it originated yeah. from, but I don't think the Tesla phone is real, I'm sorry to say. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, you have to think of it this way. Uh, well, not Tesla, but Elon Musk, who is in charge of a bunch of different companies, is also in uh, the CEO or I guess, yeah, CEO of Neuralink. And if Neuralink works the way that everyone plans it's going to work, which is still like future, almost dystopian, like kind of scary stuff. I don't know if I even want this, but just let's say theoretically without any of the bad stuff aside, if it works the way it's supposed to work, you're not going to need a phone. You're going to literally just be able to think things like the Tesla making a phone doesn't make much sense. They're much better to just put all the resources towards something like Neuralink. Um, and then also like just thinking about what would a Tesla phone even accomplish? Like it would be a key for your car, but my uh, iPhone's already that. Uh, <laughs> it would have, yeah, Starlink connectivity, sure. But I mean, we heard rumors that Apple was going to have that uh, satellite connectivity. So it'd be much better for Tesla to like partner with Apple or something and then really shoot Starlink to like mainstream. Uh, solar on the back, that's not happening. Solar charging on that size of a phone is very inefficient. Um, I mean, there's just... I don't know what the heck that would even be. I will say the idea of Starlink itself, like this satellite connectivity I'm down internet, that. yeah, that's cool. That's better than like traditional satellite internet is super exciting. In fact, my in-laws, they're like the perfect example for this. They live in rural Pennsylvania. There's no cable. 
on their like off this dirt road. They have DSL yeah. now. They uh, <laughs> they put a deposit in on the Starlink system, which should be coming to their system or their area. And I think like early to mid 2022. And I cannot wait to see what results I get because I think they have like three or four megabits down now and like one Oof. up. The oh, upload painful. should get way better. I think it's like 10 up and like the download should be like 150 to 200 down. Yeah. And uh, this has nothing to do with Apple, but it's just super, sort of super cool to see, uh, you know, different companies showing off cool stuff. And like we've seen like everybody's making a phone and everybody's making AirPod clones and stuff like that. This is totally different and this is super cool. Whether you love or hate Elon Musk, he does some cool things and uh, yeah. his companies are definitely on the bleeding edge. So uh, that is uh, super cool. I can't wait to see Here's what uh, I how it changes yeah. their uh, internet. No, totally. Here's what I'd like to see. This is probably not going to happen either, but I would love to see that partnership. You know, we always talk about it with the Apple car realm, like they should Tesla or they should partner with Tesla. That's probably not going to happen, but let's do it the other way. Uh, Tesla or Apple should partner with Tesla or Starlink or some of these companies and really integrate some of that tech into like the iPhone. I think that would be cool. Um, like Starlink, for instance, that'd be like, I'm trying to think of like, that would be awesome. There, there's so many times, especially like where I live, where the signal is really spotty. Cause I'm not like, yeah, where I live is like a, a little city, but I can easily go like 10 minutes down the road and then it's very spotty signal. So just having that satellite connectivity on my phone, which again was rumored with the iPhone 13, never ended up coming, never ended up coming. But, um, th those kind of, uh, new technologies would be cool. I saw, uh, Talos of Tech. He had, he does another Apple uh, channel, and he has Starlink. And I've been watching his videos on it because it's just interesting to see like how the development is going. And he said like when it, when it first got it, it was pretty spotty. Like every hour or so, it would, like cut out for a second. And then now, as they've been releasing more satellites and more things have been being updated, it's like totally static. And his speeds have even gotten better than the quoted 200 megabits. He's getting like more than 200 megabits down. So I mean. That's cool. Uh, this technology is rapidly evolving. There's a lot of things that uh, it could be implemented into. Tesla's making their own phone. I don't think it's it. Now, let's go to the next question, which is, uh, I believe it's from the same person, right? Yeah, it looks is. like the same from, uh, So he says, I'm a kid getting my first smartphone. My parents have an iPhone, but all my friends are telling me to get an Android phone because all the customization features. I can't decide what to do. Should I enter the Apple ecosystem in all caps? So that means... I mean, this is a pressing question. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the easy way to answer this is that it doesn't really matter. Like, especially if it's your first smartphone, you got plenty of time to try all kinds of other things later on. Um, there's obviously budgets to keep in mind, all that kind of stuff. That is its own question. But in terms of just should you enter the Apple ecosystem, what do you think? Do you think... Entering the Apple ecosystem is a good idea since, you know, we've been in it for a long time. So we're in it. We're, there's no way we're getting out of it very easily. But I mean, I've never actually been in it. Is it worth jumping in? I'm not sure if we can answer this in a totally unbiased way because this is nah. the yeah. Apple Circle podcast. Uh, it's a tough question. I think that there's a couple of questions you have to ask yourself on what you want to do with your phone. Mainly, what is your main messaging platform of choice? Are that's your friends idea. on iMessage? Do they have iPhones? Because that's a big draw for a lot of people. If they're not, then maybe it's not a big deal. Uh, do you take a lot of pictures? What kind of games do you play? Uh, obviously, you know, there's app stores on both platforms, but usually iOS games are usually better performing and usually a better selection than those on Android. Um, and sort of the Apple ecosystem in general, it's tough to get into it. 
and it can be expensive. But even we've done videos on this uh, on the Apple Circle and on the John Rentner channel, sort of the Apple ecosystem starter pack where you think it's expensive, but it's not too expensive. If you got an iPhone SE and maybe AirPods 2 or you found a good deal in AirPods 3, even like starting there, you sort of start to see the benefits of this system where you've got this phone that works really well and you've got these wireless earbuds that just automatically connect and you can sort of listen to music and you've got the spatial audio and the Apple ecosystem is so cool because you could sort of grow into it. Maybe you leave high school and you go into college and you get a MacBook Pro and then now you've got messages on both and you've sort of uh, got this continuity feature where you can sort of share things between one and the other. And the Apple ecosystem is really nice, though there is that investment there you have to make. And I guess one of the points I'd make is that if you're not really into Macs or if you don't own a Mac or if you're really into the PC side, that's probably a reason I'd say you probably should not or don't need to consider the Apple ecosystem because a lot of the big draw of the ecosystem is having multiple devices that work together and sort of the Mac is sort of the um, the cornerstone of it because a lot of the iPhone stuff and Apple Watch stuff and AirPods stuff sort of work in conjunction with each other, but also sort of work uh, best when paired with a Mac and don't work so well on Windows. So if you're like super into gaming and you love Windows and that's not going to change, then I consider your options, but I don't think I'd really have to uh, be hard pressed about the Apple ecosystem and maybe be afraid of missing out on something. But if you do have a Mac or you want to get a Mac and you sort of want to start to get into that, that's where it just seems to make a little bit more sense. And uh, speaking of that, new iPhone SE 3 is coming yep. uh, in 2022. It might just be that's a really be good, a good option. option. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good, good uh, option that I didn't really even think about when you know coming to this question but the apple ecosystem starter kit uh that's always a fun video that we make uh we've been making uh for the last two years now but i think our budget was what like a thousand dollars eleven hundred bucks and we we should make actually a full episode on this but real quick it was an iphone uh an apple watch an ipad and then some kind of uh, accessory like airpods you can get all of those things for a thousand to eleven hundred bucks, which is the same price as the iPhone 13 Pro that I have sitting here. That is, I mean, you're in the Apple ecosystem and you're not missing out on really anything. Like, yeah, you're not getting the highest in cameras, you're not getting the highest in like um, AirPods, that kind of stuff. But you are in it. You're going to get all the benefits of it, and that obviously a thousand dollars is not a trivial, trivial amount of money, especially if you're talking about your first smartphone or anything. I'm not saying spend a thousand dollars, but point being. I think the biggest knock against Apple and the Apple ecosystem is the price, but there's definitely a way to do it that doesn't cost nearly as much as it would if you try to just get the most expensive thing every single time, which obviously people like us who do this for a living, we're always flaunting like kind of the most expensive stuff, but you absolutely do not need that at all. You can easily use an iPhone SE, which I did when it came out. I used it as my main phone and it was perfectly usable, perfectly fine. I even used the iPhone SE one, not the two, um, in what was it 2019 i believe i think that's when because we were doing rumors about the new se so i think we revisited the old se and i use that even in its old iphone 5 um form factor perfectly fine perfectly usable so like these products uh are great another angle on this though that maybe is worth considering is longevity so you said this is your first smartphone I don't know what your situation is, who's buying it, where all that kind of stuff. But if I'm just comparing it to like my life, 
this is a phone that I'm going to be keeping for a long time until it basically breaks because my parents bought it for me or I saved up for it for a long time because I'm a kid, so it's harder to save up money. I want that phone to last as long as possible. That's where I think Apple really does have a really big leg up. Not to say Android phones don't last. Obviously, they can last years and years, but there's a the trope about Apple that it lasts a long time. I guess trope is kind of a negative connotation, but this is a positive thing that Apple products last forever. And that's because they kind of do. So if you're looking to spend your hard earned money on your first device that you want to keep forever, maybe an iPhone's a way to go. Uh, and then there's also just the kid part of this, which is if all your friends have Android, just get an Android phone. You can always switch to iPhone later. Like you're, you're, you're going to be fine. Like, uh, <laughs> like if, if it's going to be like more that your friends are all like talking about these things then go for the Android phone. I will just say too, on the point uh, you make in the question here about customization. Nah, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know if that's necessarily uh, <laughs> you're going to get bored of that in about two seconds. And that will matter once you get the apps on that you're going to use and the camera's good and the screen's good. That's all that's going to matter. The customization, the, the, I, I mean, to Apple's credit, iOS has gotten way more customizable than it's ever been before. Yeah. Not to the level of Android, but eh, the, the customization argument is a little, it's old. It's, I don't know how much, uh, you know, stock it actually holds uh, these days. Um, so two excellent questions. Again, if you guys have questions for us in future Apple Circle uh, episodes, uh, you let us know uh, at the uh, phone number below is 949-354-3508, or you can comment on this video if you're watching the video version. Um, so Matt, let's get into some more uh, news stuff that sort of came out over the last couple of weeks. The big one here that we ran out of time last week was about <laughs> iPads in 2022. So we are expecting, according to Mark Gurman, three... I don't want to say new models, but I guess new models, updated models, a iPad Pro, iPad base model, and an iPad Air. So basically, the iPad mini is not going to get an update. Surprisingly, though, the iPad, the base iPad just got an update, so I'm surprised to see that sort of back in the news cycle again with updates. And then the iPad Pro and iPad Air, obviously, uh, it's time for those to get a bit of an update. So... Um, I guess sort of going off the rumors, according to Mark Gurman, what we know right now is that the iPad Pro will be getting a redesign, whatever that means, and then probably a glass back for wireless charging. So right off the bat, as we look ahead in 2022, what do you want to see with the iPad Pro and what do you think we will see with the iPad Pro? Yeah, so what do I want and what do I think are very different. And this kind of has always been the issue with the iPad is that we want so many things that it seems like Apple's just not going to give us. Uh, but for want, I don't even care about the hardware. The hardware is great. Leave the hardware as is. Maybe bring mini LED down to the 11-inch iPad Pro if that is feasible and doable, which I feel like it is. Uh, let's give it a shot. Let's do that because that would be really nice to have. Other than that, I think the internals are great. The battery life is still great. All that good stuff. I don't really care about the hardware that much, but we'll talk about that in a second. I want the updated software. Give us that. Make the M1 processor inside of these iPads actually live up to the name and like actually do something because right now I never notice it. I have the iPad Pro 12.9 inch with that uh, mini LED display and the mini LED display is the only reason why I have that iPad. And if it wasn't for that, I would not have upgraded to the 2021. It has nothing to do with the M1 chip. So I want that software to finally happen is it going to happen? Probably not. <laughs> this is it's the like I said, it's the year end or year old. Like every time WWDC is coming up or the new events coming up, it's like, oh, we're going to see, we're going to see Final Cut, we're going to see Logic, we're going to see something like that. 
and then it doesn't happen. So, I mean, the hope is that there is some kind of grand master plan that Apple has in the back because obviously, like, you got to think, like, if they're putting an M1 chip in this iPad, there's got to be a reason, right? It's not just like a... I mean, I guess the reason could be as simple as they have all these chips coming off the supply chain. Instead of making an A15Z, let's just use the M1 because we're already making them. That It could be that simple, but I hope it's a little bit more than that. Um, now, let's get to hardware real quick. Now, that glass back, that is just so confusing. We've been kind of you know discussing it behind the scenes, what that could be for. Obviously, the rumor is that this glass back is so that it can enable wireless charging, Okay, fine. Like, I'm not against wireless charging. It'd be nice to have, I guess. Uh, I would assume it would also have MagSafe. I don't know why it wouldn't have MagSafe, but also have wireless charging. Um, but at the same time, having a glass back means probably it's going to get heavier. And I'm not really about that. If you've ever held a 12.9-inch iPad in a Magic Keyboard, it's already really heavy for what it is. So the hardware part, I don't know. I'm just confused about it. Yeah, I guess... Is the glass back just going to be there to make it look different? Like we heard yeah, Mark Ehrman like. says, yeah. redesign. I mean, okay, the bezels could get thinner around the display, but the front already is basically perfect. It's just yeah. the screen. And the back, I mean, I, I still think the design, even if it's mostly from 2018, still looks great going in 2022. I guess the glass back could be an aesthetic thing. Like, hey, look at, you know, it's different. It looks better, quote unquote. But I guess to me, I'm a little concerned because wouldn't that make it a little bit more fragile? I guess because yeah. I'm always taking it in and out of my bag. I always take it to the gym with me and I, like, I put it on the elliptical thing there. And I know one of these days, if I have a glass back on there, I'm going to just chip it and crack it. And that's the end of the back of that iPad. Um, I just don't know what redesign means. Not saying that Apple shouldn't do something, but also I don't really think they need to. The iPad Pro has almost been so ahead of not just other iPads, but obviously all other tablets, that it still has a really good design. I think that all people really want would be better screen technology, bring mini-LED down uh, the line. At some point, obviously, we'll probably get uh, OLED displays on there, which would be sort of the best-case scenario. And that's it. Like you said, Matt, M2 processor in there, it makes sense. They'll probably do it. What the benefit to that is, I don't know, besides better efficiency and better power, but... I don't understand what you could do in an iPad currently that's really going to take advantage of that M2. I guess if you're like editing in LumaFusion and you've got Photoshop and different apps running, I guess. But really, let's be honest. The it's it's just weird. I just I don't understand why you put this Apple silicon in there that is made for Macs in the iPad Pro if you're not going to allow it to run Final Cut Pro, Logic Pro, full-fledged Mac apps. You've got all that power, and I feel like we can just barely scratch the surface of what you can do with it. Yeah, exactly. That That's still the question after all these years. I mean, the iPad Pro has been out for five years now, at least since the first one, right? So, I mean, this is something we have been waiting for, and it just hasn't happened yet. Going back to the glass back, though, I mean, I guess there are some questions there if they do go this route. So, one, what's going to happen to the smart connector? I believe the smart connector is rumored to be going away in this new redesign. I don't know if there's been any official like Mark Gurman level rumors of that, but I've heard that at least. Uh, so if that's the case, what's going to happen with the keyboard? Is it going to use that wireless charging to then not only transfer power for the keyboard, but also transfer data? I mean, that's certainly possible. Um, and then oh, I had another point, but now I'm totally forgetting it. So um, <laughs> I guess in theory, 
let's say they did a glass back and they did MagSafe on there. MagSafe could be right. The conduit that allows you to use these accessories and can MagSafe transmit data though? Because obviously I guess in theory it could. I don't know if it currently does, but uh, that keyboard a, needs to sort of translate commands from key presses right. to software. So I'm assuming Apple could do that, right? I, well, I think MagSafe as it exists right now only does NFC data. I believe there's an NFC ring inside, and that's kind of what tells it, oh, this is a wallet. Oh, this is a case, you know, that kind of thing. I, that's the only communication I believe it's doing back and forth aside from the uh, obvious um, charging and then I, I mean, maybe there's some other data, but I'm, assu I'm assuming that the phone is handling it when it comes to like the battery pack where it knows to send power to the battery instead of taking power to the battery. I'm assuming that's all going on on the phone. But um, yeah, I, I mean, there would probably have to be an update, but there is the rumor that, uh, you know, Apple is really pivoting MagSafe to be the portless option of their iPhone whenever they decide to do that. So this could be the first iteration of that one MagSafe that not only charges, but also wirelessly transmits and started easy with, you know, keyboard commands. That's pretty simple. You just like, you know, I mean, that's like just a few digits at a time. So it's like that seemed relatively easy. Then you work your way up to more data that eventually lets you get rid of the actual physical port and you can just have this magnet on the back. Well, I guess that would be super annoying to not only have to buy a new iPad, but then you got to buy, well, oh, yeah. there's not a bunch of accessories, but the Magic Keyboard is one of those that if you have it and you it's like it, so you want it, and then it's expensive, so you have to buy a whole yeah. new version. And I guess the other thing, this has not been rumored, but maybe this makes sense. What if the first portless Apple product we see is the iPad Pro? Because on one hand, that's a great test case scenario for them because you don't have the wide audience of the iPhone 14 Pro. You don't have that pressure. Also, it's kind of annoying because I feel like I love the USB-C port on the iPad Pro and I wouldn't want to see it go away. But if there was to be one Apple product that would sort of make sense as a test case for it, would it be the iPad Pro? Do you think that we could see a portless iPad Pro in 2022? Uh, no, but... If they did that, let's just say they did, then that would solidify forever that this is never going to be a real pro machine. Like they're using mm -hmm. the pro name as like uh, high end rather than professional tasks. And they put the M1 chip in there just because it's easier to manufacture because they're already making them. That answers that if they did that, I don't think they will, especially considering they made kind of a big fuss that's now it supports Thunderbolts because of the M1 chip. So I don't think they're going to do that. Although I do see the argument that if they want to test not having a port on a device, doing it on an iPad makes a lot more sense than doing it on the iPhone. Um, but I still think what, what's more likely is that they'll have like an iPhone 13 or sorry, iPhone, I don't know, 15 Pro Max or something. And that will only have one version that is no, that doesn't have a port, uses some kind of MagSafe on the back. And then every other iPhone will still have a port. I could see that being more likely than a completely different product line. I don't. I hope they don't do that because I still want those pro apps. It's funny that Apple continues to tout the versatility and the power of USB-C, like in the MacBook Pro stuff, in the iPad stuff. <laughs> yeah. Man, look, USB-C, you can connect drives, you can connect cameras, power, all that stuff. There's been a long while since Apple has mentioned the benefits of Lightning. Like, oh, look at this connector, Lightning. It, oh, it's, they haven't. Yeah, they never talk about it. There really is no benefit. So I think that the portless iPhone is definitely coming. I wish that USB-C would come to the iPhone, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, but for now, it's just going to be sort of uh, just lightning. And I, I think that I agree with you. I think that Apple made such a big deal about USB-C on the iPad Pro that we've got to continue to see that. 
uh, on the iPad Pro, at least for the next couple of generations. Um, so that's iPad Pro. Next, let's talk base iPad. So this just got an update at the last Apple event, which is surprising. Yep. It got, I think, a processor, was a processor bump. And, so, the, and the center stage camera. Right. So I'm assuming we wouldn't see an update to this probably until the fall of 2022. <clears throat> Excuse me, since Apple wants to sort of take their time separating these um, sort of updates what could we see? There's been these rumors that Apple is going to redesign the iPad, the base iPad, to make it more in line with the iPad Air and the iPad Pro. But you've got to be very careful there because you don't want to make the base iPad have the same design as the iPad Air because then there's like less and less reasons yeah. to jump to the Air because a lot of people want that design so they go with the Air. So what do you think we could see besides just a processor bump? Well, obviously a processor bump. We will see that. Um, and then... You know, I think Apple did a really good job with this with this iPad because they priced it so well. Like when they it's three twenty nine, right? And then you can often get it on sale for under three hundred or three hundred dollars for a quote unquote brand new iPad that is going to be supported for years to come. Yeah, it doesn't have the best screen. Yeah, it's not laminated. It's an old design. All that kind of stuff that we already know. But for that price, that is a really great deal. And for all some purposes, you can do the exact same thing you can on that iPad that you can on my 12.9 inch iPad Pro with the M1 chip. You can do the same stuff. So that is impressive. Now, what could the in terms of redesign, the rumors all are pointing like it says they're going to redesign it to be like the iPad Pro. But what they're really talking about is the original iPad Pro or I guess the second to original, like the second generation, which had a 10.5 inch screen, I believe. Um, I got to double check that, but I think that's what they're talking about. So it's not going to be a full redesign to the current iPad Pro design, but rather kind of scaling it up a little bit to be slightly larger than it is now maybe even the 11 inch um size i think that's much more likely i don't i don't see them doing like a full redesign to be like the ipad pro that we have now that's a little much and then would i, I mean that would just by by its nature it would have to raise the price and i don't think that's worth uh redesigning it just for the sake of redesigning it yeah i mean it's it's pretty simple there's not much to say there so I guess next one, last but not least, iPad Air. So obviously this got a major redesign back in 2020. Uh, looks great. I'm assuming yep. here sort of same deal. Processor bump, maybe better camera. But again, still a really good option for most people. So probably not yeah. a huge year for the iPad. Updates, but not a huge year. Yeah, not a huge year. Things I do hope we see in this new iPad Air. Obviously, we're going to get the processor bump. That's fine. Uh, I, I really hope we see... Well, we're not going to see Face ID. I don't think we're going to see Face ID. Touch ID is fine, like we talked about last week with the iPad Mini. Once you use it for a while, totally totally fine. It, it works great. Uh, I hope we see ProMotion on that display. I'm not too hopeful, but it would be nice to bring it down. I mean, ProMotion on the iPad has been out forever, so like, uh, it can't be that expensive to just add it to the iPad Air. I hope we see that. I don't know if we will, um, but yeah. I I the iPad line is still the one that I'm confused about. Not because the products are bad, they're excellent. They're actually some of the best Apple makes, but there's so much more they could do and it seems like it's either not going to happen ever or it's not going to happen soon. So hopefully this year we get a definitive answer, but I'm not holding my breath. Other piece of Apple news this week, if you were very excited, the Apple Music Voice Plan Ooh. has launched, right? Uh, yeah. Very exciting stuff. What, five bucks a month for Apple Music? And you can sort of enjoy uh, a uh, sort of uh, great music experience only controlled by your voice. Now, I did hear a uh, 
workaround to this if you're so inclined. You can apparently change Siri on your iPhone through accessibility to respond to text commands. Yeah. And that would sort of allow you to kind of like type out for it, searching yeah. for it. But then the downside of that is every Siri command you do cannot be by voice. It's got to be right. by text. So pro and con of that. We've talked about this before. I mean, five bucks a month. If you've got a HomePod mini and you were not using Apple Music and you don't care about, you know, searching for things and or I guess searching for things with your you know fingers on a phone. But you just do want to do it by your voice. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there much else to say? No, it, it's weird if you're on the phone. I totally agree if you're on like a smart speaker, but on the phone, it's just so strange because you can actually search for things and listen to a preview of it. But when you want to actually play the song, you have to ask Siri, even though you're looking at the song on the screen. It's just clearly a way to get people in the door who maybe don't want Apple Music, but they see it. And then I think what will happen is they'll get frustrated with how annoying it is to literally have to do everything with your voice and just say, eh, just pay the extra five bucks or whatever it is to get the full plan and then we'll be done here. But yeah, not much to say. It's it's pretty, uh, it's pretty straightforward. But with that, we did get iOS 15.2. And there was actually a decent amount of stuff in there. I have not yet updated. Did you update your no, iPhone yet? No, I have not. And you know what? I'm kind of bad about that. It's like all these major updates come out and I just kind of am apathetic about it. It's like, whatever. Like, unless there's like some big feature that I'm actually going to use, usually it's like I will update for security concerns and I'll get around to that. But usually it's like I'm not, it's like I've got other stuff going on during the day that I don't have time to like lose my phone for like whatever it is, like five, 10 minutes. And then I just forget at the end of the day. And then usually what'll happen is it'll just do it automatically while it's charging at night. So that's sort of best case scenario. But I, all these updates sort of just get lost. It's like 22, 0.3, 0.4. It's like, unless yeah. there's something big, I could just kind of skim over it to be honest. So at least it's there, right? It's out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's some of the, some of the features here though, are the ones that they mentioned on stage that just haven't been here. For instance, legacy contacts. So if you pass away, you have your digital legacy and someone else can kind of take that over. Um, they also have some emergency SOS changes. So you can like kind of change how the buttons interact for emergency SOS, which is nice. I've activated that many times on accident and it's terrifying. It starts screaming at you. Have you ever, have you ever activated emergency SOS on accident? On my watch, close i've gotten close to because like i'll like put my watch against like the counter or something yeah, in my hand exactly. and then it's like i feel the buzz and i like rip it away because i've heard <laughs> all those horror stories of people who yeah. have accidentally done it and then they call 911 so uh i have not done it on the phone but my apple watch i've come close yeah and then looking through here we have notification summary which huh I totally forgot notification summary was a thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go back and uh, try that out. There's some changes to that. Um, I was just yeah, I think I turned that off when it first came out, and then I have yet to actually try that. But that kind of sounds nice. You know, wake up in the morning, here's all the things that you missed. Uh, I, I gotta give that a try. Do you use that feature? That's that's one of those. That's like a one of those features that Apple announces that I feel like nobody actually uses. I have it, and I just feel like one of the issues that we're starting to see more and more is that. People sort of forget because Apple announces all this stuff and then like it sort of comes out in pieces. It's like, I don't even know if SharePlay is out yet. I think it might have just yeah, came out in 15.2. Yeah. It's like, it's just like all this stuff is so staggered that it's in mission or what is it called? Um, Not mission control. Um, universal control. Yeah, universal control is delayed till 2022. It's like, it's hard to sort of keep your, um, t keep tabs on all this stuff because it's like Apple announced it, then it doesn't come out for months and no one really knows. So 
that's been a little confusing. Hopefully that's not the case with iOS 16. Hopefully they're a little bit more consolidated because I feel like this year more than ever, there's been a lot of stuff that's been delayed for months. I mean, SharePlay just came out with 15.2, right? I think that just came no, out. No, I think it's been out. It's been Has out since 15.1, I think. Or, yeah. okay, at least like 15.1 and then Universal Control, that's delayed to 15.2. Yeah, so yeah. six months delay. It's just a little crazy. So cool to see that out. And um, I mean, I guess well, update your devices now if you haven't already. Yeah. Well, and I guess another way to think about this is, you know, this is almost a, they're almost silently doing what we kind of asked them to do every once in a while and what some other companies like Google do where they actually just release the features when they're ready. But because they always make such a big like fuss about it at WWDC when they announce these features, it makes it seem like when you get iOS 15, all these things are going to be here. But if they just said like, here's what we're working on and we're going to release them throughout the year, then it would feel less like they're holding back and more like, Hey, this new feature is finally ready. Let's check it out. Uh, and that's what like the Pixel does and stuff. They have these Pixel feature drops that just come whenever they're ready. And instead of waiting for an entire system op you know, operating system update, they just drop the features as they go. And that's basically what Apple's doing now. It just feels feels like it's behind because of how they phrase it rather than uh, you know, saying that, hey, it's ready now. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, I guess one piece of news that we did get, which I don't know if this is exactly the first time we've heard this, but um, it is interesting. Or at least we heard this for the iPhone 13, but iPhone 14 apparently is getting a 48 megapixel camera. Um, not too surprising here. We heard, like I said, this rumor with the iPhone 13 that we would get a higher resolution main camera. Seems like that's going to be happening with the iPhone 14. Um, it's fine. I'm sure, you know, there's few a few ways you can go about this. Uh, I'm going to bring up this uh, article real quick just to make sure. Um, but yeah, I see it now. Basically, the idea here is you're not going to get a 48 megapixel sensor, but you're going to use pixel binning, which basically means it takes the 48 megapixels. And instead of, you know, just take a picture and you have a 48 megapixel sensor, it's bends them together, meaning it kind of attaches them together. So you can have multiple pixels that creates one big pixel. And then, um, you know, in software, it creates like a equivalent 12 megapixel or image, but you get more detail and more uh, information because there's actually more pixels there. Um, it seems like that's what Apple's going to be doing. That's what companies like Google do with the, with the uh, pixel. Um, like it has a 50 ish, something like that. So I'm, I'm trying to look at my pixel here. Um, sensor but it only outputs 12 megapixel images but they're really sharp and really detailed and that's because of that binning seems like that's what apple's going to be doing here no real surprise there yeah this rumor has now been confirmed i think this is like the second independent source or the third to like confirm that this is coming so like hopefully it seems like it's actually real and what's interesting about this is that i think the great mkbhd he did a video a little while ago, like uh, reviewing all the iPhone models, and he had an interesting graph in there about the camera upgrades the phones have gotten. And I think Apple has been using 12 megapixel sensors for years. Like we have Since not the five, what something like that. Like something we haven't like gone that. above 12. While, yeah. So this would be, at least in terms of hardware, one of the most significant camera updates we've seen come to the iPhone, which is really cool to see. And like Matt said, probably would be. Not 48 megapixel stills, but like 12 megapixels, but now with that pixel binning sort of higher resolution. And then the other part to this is that, in theory, some rumors suggest that we could see 8K video recording yep. on the 14 Pro. Now, this seems a little ambitious, 
Samsung has been doing this, but there has been like heavy limitations on like how long you can shoot, how you can do it, all this stuff. Do we think that the iPhone 14 Pro can shoot 8K video and what will be the limitations to that? Is it going to be like um, ProRes where you have to have a certain capacity of phone to be able to even have that feature unlocked fully? Yeah, I think I think there's a chance that we're going to see it if Apple can pull it off. I, I would say the processors are definitely capable of processing 8K video, but in, in current form, you physically cannot shoot 8K video because I'm looking it up just to make sure. Um, but I believe 8K is 32 megapixels per still. I believe that's what it is. It's 8K is 760 or 7680 by 4320, which is huge. So, I mean that, man, that's crazy. But basically, point being, you need more resolution in the actual sensor to even shoot 8K, and you can't do it with the iPhone that we have now. So. If they were going to add it, then this would be the way to do it. Um, I don't think they would do it unless they can get HDR working. That's something that was a big limitation with like the Samsung phones is, yes, it technically does H or 8K, but uh, the HDR is not nearly as good. So if they can do that, I would say, you know, they do 4K with everything has HDR. And in 8K, you can do like 1080p. Oh, stupid. That, that might be the dumbest thing I've ever said. <laughs> 8K and HDR at 30 frames per second, not 8K 1080p. You get what I'm saying. Um, maybe not all the way to 60 frames per second. I'd be more interested to see 4K at like 120. That'd be cool, um, especially for B-roll for us. That'd be awesome to have 120 to really get those smooth shots. Um, yeah, the camera upgrades, I hope uh, we'll see more as we go. I mean. We saw the news about the Periscope camera a while ago, and I think that's still in the works to happen. Uh, basically, uh, to get more zoom optically, what you have to do, just because it's such a small space, is you have to actually turn the camera sideways. So instead of pointing out the lens, it's actually pointing up or sideways towards the lens, and then they use mirrors to then capture the light. Um, and then that way you can have more physical space and get more optical zoom. And there's a bunch of phones that do that. I believe the S21 does that. I, the Pixel here that I have does that, and it works. You get really high quality zoom um, without uh, you know sacrificing on a ton of space. So I think that's coming as well. Um, yeah, I mean, camera changes are always good, especially when it comes to the iPhone. And of course, we'll see like the uh, software changes and all that kind of stuff. Matt, funny thing is, as we were recording this, some breaking Apple news that Ooh. is going to make you very happy. Uh -oh. Just coming out right now, LG possibly developing three new Apple displays, including a new Pro Display XDR with Apple Silicon chip. So this Ooh. is like still sort of breaking right now. Coming from Dylan DKT, who has an excellent track yeah, record sort of in the Apple League community. Basically, I just sort of skimmed it there. Looks like they're developing, seems like a 24-inch a 27-inch, and then maybe a new Pro Display XDR with an Apple Silicon chip inside. This is super interesting because we had heard rumors about Apple developing an external monitor, and then that was like, yep. no, they're developing an iMac. Apple has had this weird relationship with LG because the LG Ultrafine series is like, not Mac sanctioned, but it's like, well, has Apple's is. blessings. It's <laughs> yeah. sold at the Apple store. So looks like maybe instead of Apple making their own displays, LG might be making some new Apple displays and uh, could be coming maybe soon. Uh, I know you well, are in the, not in the market, but uh, pre-market. Oh, I'm in the market. No, for I'm a in pro the display market. XDR. I want, yeah. Would this be sort of a answer to your display prayers? Because now you'd have LG displays. Hopefully that would be a fraction of the price from a pro display XDR and with hopefully a lot of benefits. 
Yeah, I mean, as long as the price comes down, I'm happy. So, I mean, I'm reading this here. It's a little vague on what it maybe means. So it says, LG is currently developing three new Apple external displays. Does that mean... Well, and then if it's going to have an Apple Silicon chip inside, then that means these are not LG displays. These are Apple displays. Right. I don't know what... So the Apple Silicon, is that only in the They're Pro Display the XDR? And does that work at like the... There's a custom Silicon chip inside that does processing of some sort? Maybe... I don't, I don't, does, yeah, I would assume it does processing. Need, does it is it doing promotion? Well, at six I mean, K, very... at six K and that high of a resolution, like maybe it needs a little bit more oomph, and maybe you know they've had some. Well, I, I'm assuming just by looking at the design and the thickness of the Pro Display XDR, there's also obviously some kind of issue with heat there. So maybe if they want to make the display even better and have, a high, uh, you know. I don't know, maybe we'll get an 8K display or something like that. Um, so I, I could see, you know, handing over all that processing to the Apple Silicon chip would make it more efficient and probably a little less heat intensive. So maybe that's the idea there. But what that makes me think is that these are Apple displays, cinema displays, or whatever they would call them now, and X, uh, Pro Display XDR, but LG is providing the panels. They're developing the panels for them. Mm. That's what this sounds like, which for me, even better. That's That's exactly what I want. So weird. It says LG, according to Dylan DKT here, LG made displays encased in unbranded enclosures. That's what they're currently being tested. I'm super curious because on one hand, I could totally see this being Apple displays. But on the other hand, maybe Apple sort of passes the buck to LG and says, hey, we'll keep the super expensive, super nice Pro Display XDR if you want to fill the gap at the lower end, which is exactly what they've done with the Ultrafine series, then here, here's your market to do that. We will help you and work with you on it, but we're going to keep the Pro Display XDR for ourselves. Very interesting. I don't know how this is going to play out. Just some interesting breaking news there. But, yeah, so there's uh, we'll see. here's the thread. We can just read the thread here. So you read you read that first part of the thread, and then he goes on to say, that display seems to be an improved 32-inch Pro Display XDR, despite the lack of branding, because it's in those cases. Uh, it's assumed that this would, at the very least, are, uh, be a display that's Apple branded. And then the next one is interesting. Interestingly, though, uh, there seems to be reference to custom silicon powering this display. Um, no references around the 27 or 24-inch, though. Um, and also, and then the next one is doesn't rule out the possibility of custom silicon for those displays as well. Um, but not enough data basically. And, uh, also it also says, finally, the 32 inch and 27 inch monitors seem to have mini led displays and 120 Hertz variable refresh rates. So crazy. Boom. Crazy. That's, that's what I want. That's the goal. <laughs> crazy. Uh, it just, it's insane how, and I am listening, there's other Apple podcasts where the conversation has come up how these new MacBook pro displays are so good and there's really like nothing on the market. You either have like no. these like horrible, cheap 4K displays or the Pro Display XDR. There's really nothing in between. So hopefully this would sort of bridge that gap between the lower end consumer uh, grade and that price point and the higher end sort of Pro Pro Display XDR. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pumped for it. This is a very good uh, Wednesday as we record this Wednesday morning news. That's that's what I like to hear, and hopefully we see these very soon. I mean, we know they're working on this iMac, so we're assuming it's going to have that twenty inch, twenty seven inch panel. So maybe they'll break that out into its own thing as well and update the Pro Display XDR. I would assume we see that at WWDC. That's my guess. Uh, well, we'll see. It's uh. Hopefully we get a spring event in 2022, then I'm assuming WWDC. So hopefully at least once the new year picks up, we got at least two Apple events in the first half and then 
probably something else in the fall. But uh, it's nice to get just a little morsel of Apple news because things have been so scarce. And I get it because obviously Apple is working hard on stuff, but people are out, they're traveling, holidays, all that stuff, and just there's not a lot going on. And once production ramps up on new products, which should be happening soon, probably in the new year, that's when more of these leaks will hopefully sort of um, come to light. As of right now, it's just, it is slim pickings when it comes to Apple news. Yeah, exactly. Now we had uh, one more topic, but I think we'll save this for next week because that's a that's more than enough to be its own um, yep. episode, um, which is our favorite Mac apps. So stay tuned for that next week. Last thing I think, because we can wrap up pretty soon here, but we're coming up on the one year anniversary of some things that Apple released. Uh, first, uh, Apple TV Fitness, or it's not TV, <laughs> Apple Fitness that's right. Plus. Uh, have you used that? I used it in a trial when like it first came out. I did the 30 days free, and it was okay. I will say the one time I used it, I was traveling last Christmas. We are doing a road trip, and one day we had stopped at a hotel, and like I wanted to work out. And this was like back when gyms are closed, and you can really do anything, and there wasn't like any place to go on a run. And I did do a workout with the iPad Pro and Apple Fitness Plus, and it was really cool. It Worked well. I thought it was awesome. Um, But with that being said, I have not paid for it. I have not continued to subscribe to it just because I'm not a huge class person. I don't love that. And the workouts were okay, but eh, I'd rather just sort of, if I can get access to a treadmill or elliptical or something, just go on there and like watch my own thing. So um, that has been a nice alternative. I'm curious though, as more people have sort of gone back to normal and gyms have reopened I wonder if the subscription numbers on this have sort of dwindled or if there's been this rise because people like working out at home. It's a bit of a very ambitious plan for them. And it started with all this, you know, uh, money behind it and studios and stuff like that. I haven't used it regularly, so I don't know if it's still getting updates or how it's even working these days, but seems okay, I guess. I don't have much else to say besides that. Have you used it? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, no, I haven't tried it. We have Peloton, so it's basically the same thing, but you actually get like a physical bike. So that's what we use. And it's basically the same thing. I think I've never even started the trial because I just didn't need to. Um, but if I, if I was like, didn't have Peloton, I'd probably be using this instead because I like being able to, uh, integrate your Apple watch and all that kind of stuff. So it seems good, but yeah, I don't, I don't use it. Uh, the other thing though is, the AirPods Max, which I see you're not wearing today. You were wearing them <laughs> last week, and now I'm wearing mine. So I, you were not an early adopter, but you finally caved. So what is your experience so far? I love my AirPods Max. The one issue I have is that if, with this current setup, I cannot monitor the audio with AirPods Max. Mm. I have to plug in, so that was why I'm using these Sonys. Uh, I have them right here uh, off camera. I really like them. Um, I love AirPods Pro. I love those for the gym. I love them for walking around. They're fantastic. But when I'm sitting down at the computer or more lately, uh, usually like I'm laying in bed and watching something on my iPad Pro, the AirPods Max, they're comfortable. The Apple technology with that spatial audio and noise cancellation is fantastic. And it's just a really good audio experience. If I'm working around the house, I'm like doing laundry, I'm cleaning the kitchen, stuff like that. I've got AirPods Max on. Even if I'm editing some stuff on the Mac, I can use AirPods Max. Um, I really love um, the experience there. It is not necessary and they're still crazy overpriced. But if you're looking for a good over the ear solution, and you like those headphones, then I love what AirPods Max offer. I have not traveled with them yet, but I'm looking forward to the first time that I actually get on a plane. Um, That's where the Sonys have been great because the noise cancellation on flights. AirPods Pro are good, but 
it's like from LA to San Francisco, AirPods Pro are fine, but I wouldn't want to go on a long haul flight with just AirPods Pro. So that's what I'm most excited for. But AirPods Max have been uh, really, really good. I've been happy with my limited time with them for the past couple of weeks. Um, they've been great. But Matt, you you were an early adopter on them. If I am not, I mistaken. bought them when they first. Yeah, I bought them when they first came out, and then I took them back because I was like, these are too expensive. And then like a month or two later, I was like, I'm back in. I bought them. And I've not looked back. I absolutely love these. They sound excellent and all the same stuff you said. Like, they're just really solid headphones. It's just the price. Like, if the price was like $100 less, I would recommend them to everyone. Like, yeah, they're expensive, but they're totally worth it. Um, at the price they are now, eh, you really have to really want them in order to get them. Um, but there's tons of good sales like we talked about. So if you if you find like a sale for like in the 400 range and you want them and you're okay with that money, I'd say get them and you're going to love them. I hope that they keep these around. I hope it's not a HomePod uh, situation where they discontinue it quickly because they made it too expensive. But they are really expensive, so I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. But I'm happy I have them. I love them. Kind of crazy that it's already been a year that these have been announced. That yeah, that's crazy. It's just so weird. And who was it that had the rumor? I don't know if it was. Did you tell me this or I heard it on a podcast? Someone said that like AirPods Max. It was one of those products that like. Apple had developed and they had around for a while and then they like wanted to get rid of it, but they were just too late in development that they just couldn't scrap the project. So they just released it. I remember the press release. It's just like, I don't know what the long-term plan of this is. And it's, it's very much a niche product because when you walk into the Apple store, they're not really apparent. They're kind of over on their own side display and you kind of have to know (laughs) what you're looking for. If you're in the market for like a good pair of headphones and like you're looking at Bose, you're looking at Sony, that's when you look at AirPods Max. But I don't think that AirPods Max and AirPods Pro or even just regular AirPods, they're not sort of in the same ballpark, especially when it comes to price. They're just different differences. I don't think AirPods Max, people wear them like out and about, but I think they're really more like a, I'm at home listening to something or I'm on a flight. I'm not really like wearing these every day because they're not the most durable. So really cool to see them. I'm not sure what the long-term plan on this is but i'm glad they exist at least for now yep exactly i don't think we're gonna get an update but hey at least i have them uh, i'm trying to think i don't think we have any one year anniversaries besides that but kind of crazy that the years fly by so quickly but i also think that's about it for this week we covered a lot of different topics kind of you know jumping around there covering um you know macs ipads all that kind of stuff iphones so uh yeah but if you have any other questions like we answered at the very beginning we have that hotline it's 949-354-3508 so you can send us a question send us a text even a voicemail we played a voicemail a few weeks back that's always fun to get it's always fun to uh hear you guys ask the question but uh, i think that's about it right we we didn't miss anything next week we'll talk about our favorite mac apps so that'll be a fun one we've got some uh, good ones on the list that maybe you've never heard of before and um yeah anything else that we're uh, that we need to hit i think that's it guys let us know if you have your favorite mac apps you want to let us talk about or let us know about because we'd oh, love to learn about new yeah, stuff let us know some. 949-354-3508. Always, if you could uh, leave us a, a review in the Apple Podcast app, that would be greatly appreciated. That really helps the show out. And yeah, thank you guys so much for watching, listening. We appreciate you. We'll see you back here, same time, same place, next week on another episode of the Apple Circle Podcast.